Welcome to Digital Learning, hosted by the Wake County Public School System. You can follow us on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, and Google. To access our show notes, visit our website at dlc.wcpss.net. There, you'll find your local area digital learning coordinators, whom you can reach out and contact. You'll find our monthly newsletter, our podcast episodes, and other valuable resources. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's podcast episode, which is about teaching concurrent face-to-face remote classes, is going to reference some documents that you are going to want to see actually prior to hearing the podcast. So when we reference these documents, it'll make sense to you. It'll be in context. So go to dlc.wcpss.net. There you'll see our podcast page. When you go to the podcast page, episode six, you'll see show notes. Click on that. You'll have access to all the documents and even more than a reference in the podcast show. Just give those a look over and then listen to our episode and everything will kind of come together and be a little bit more relevant to you after having seen the documents. Hello, I'm Walt Tallman, a digital learning coordinator for the southern and southeastern areas of Wake County Public School System. Happy to be with you uh, today. Hi, my name is Jennifer Rifkin, and I am the uh, ELA teacher in residence with middle school programs. And my name is Christopher Zirkel. I'm a digital learning coordinator for the southern and southeastern areas. Katie is tracked out. She won't be with us here today. But today's episode is entitled Teaching Concurrent Face-to-Face and Remote Classes. And our goals, our objectives, our focus for this podcast episode are to provide teachers with the answers to questions they may have about teaching concurrent face-to-face and remote classes. We're going to provide teachers with strategies and best practice to enable them to prepare and implement this new model of instruction. And we're going to provide some practical approaches to teaching concurrent face-to-face and remote classes. So Walt, I like how you address the elephant in the room during the lunch and learn session we had the other day. Can you describe some of the challenges that teachers are facing as they return to a blend of face-to-face and remote instruction? Well, Chris, I think uh, one of the uh, major challenges is all the variations that teachers are facing. Device availability is going to be different from school to school and from classroom to classroom. Some of those will be Wake County devices. Some of those will be bring your own. Different schools have different staffing models for how to uh, divide up the work of teaching remote and in-person audiences. Different uh, schools have different levels of participation in virtual academy. So their populations that are coming in face-to-face are going to look vastly different and have vastly different needs. And their virtual academy students are going to have different uh, ways that they'll need to be approached based on on their populations. Uh, And then departmental pacing requirements are different from uh, one to the next as far as how closely they expect teachers to adhere to Uh, pre-blended learning and pre-remote learning uh, expectations. So some have revised those significantly and others are still having uh, a pacing that looks uh, very similar while having uh, to deal with all these these challenges. And then uh, district time requirements uh, and having to wrap our heads around what it looks like to provide synchronous instruction, what that what that looks like and how we fulfill what's expected both by the district and, and by the public uh, in terms of 
making sure that students are getting quality instructional time. And then finally, we're having to do all this in the midst of having to reimagine collaboration and working together in a socially distanced classroom. So Jennifer, I love the work that you've done and believe it will benefit teachers and help them design their instruction and prepare them for the return of students to the classroom. And I encourage the audience to visit our show notes to actually see the documents that we're going to be referencing both for middle school and for elementary. But Jennifer, what has your department done to provide guidance to teachers regarding teaching concurrent face-to-face and remote classes? Thanks, Chris. Um, Our content specialists have done a great job at uh, looking at real lessons and conceptualizing how you might break that down in a way that allows for uh, teachers to facilitate instruction in all learning environments. So if you look at the ELA example, we took grade eight, module two, lessons one and two, and this shows teachers how they might divide the lesson into asynchronous and synchronous instruction, both of which can be delivered to students in remote learning and face-to-face concurrently. So for example, the teacher may start class with face-to-face direct instruction uh, while students at home doing remote learning might be doing a check-in. And then halfway through class, we'll guide students to begin their asynchronous assignment. Uh, And before COVID, we would have just called this student work time, right, independent or group work. So at this point, the teacher might log into their Google Meet and provide some live instruction to those remote learners who spent the first part of class uh, doing that student work time or asynchronous work. Other strategies are included by the content specialist to show how to group your cohort so that face-to-face students can still collaborate with remote learners. You know, they don't have to be in these separate pods. They can still be collaborating together through uh, different digital platforms or through other strategies. We essentially provided a framework for teachers to use just to guide them through their thinking and planning as they move forward. I really love that you mentioned that idea of thinking through how to build those cohorts of students because one of the challenges in uh, teaching concurrently is that we have this this opportunity that we have our students back in the classroom now and we have that that interaction that we've been missing that they've been missing uh, but it's very easy to leave remote audiences feeling isolated in that so by making sure to intentionally bring those audiences together and really give careful thought to that and how that what that looks like uh, that is such important work you mentioned just the synchronous and asynchronous portions and so whether whether you follow these models and resources exactly or whether you use them as a starting point it's it's great that we're providing just careful thought into making those divisions in our instruction and really thinking about what we're creating to be delivered asynchronously versus how we're using our synchronous time and using that strategically and just a note when i first saw these documents i was uh really excited because this is something that teachers can visually see. And I know the documents that we have in our show notes where we're referencing Jennifer works with middle school, the elementary K-5 has also been doing very similar work and we're going to provide their work in our show notes as well. So whether or not you're elementary school or middle school or even so much as high school, I believe that what we're going to talk about today is going to be relevant to all grade levels and subject content areas. So Jennifer, in the sample schedule you created, you walked us through a little bit and explained some of the logistics. 
how does it give teachers a way of ensuring that all students are accountable to a common set of learning objectives in a manageable way? Thanks, Chris. That's a great question and uh, definitely one on the minds of most teachers. So as we always do, right, with planning, start with the, the learning targets and the lesson. Um, think about the tasks that absolutely need to be done to learn, practice, or demonstrate progress towards mastery of those targets. So the schedule created shows teachers how they might break down lessons and pull those crucial components and then kind of categorize them by that asynchronous time or independent work time and that synchronous or live instruction time. And then when you do this, you're able to maintain that PLT alignment in terms of pacing. And we wanted to emphasize this because many teachers have noted how anxious they are with regards to pacing. They're worried that all students will be at different places or they'll fall behind their PLT and not be able to catch up. So the same content can be delivered to all core cohorts. And maybe this is done daily. You know, that would be ideal. But it's okay if that happens over the span of a week. Um, so students in remote learning can essentially complete the same student work activities or work time activities as those in the classroom. But the order in which they get that might or do those activities might change or the method in which some of that instruction is delivered might change. But the learning targets for that week or the lessons for that week can still be accomplished. And I think your schedule does a great job of, of showing them one way that that could be accomplished on a day-to-day -day basis uh, for those that have, have schedules that uh, really are, for those that, that are feeling a pressure to keep things aligned day-to-day. -day. So I do want to acknowledge that teachers are doing a tremendous job at what they're doing. They're working so hard. They're putting in a lot of hours. They're dedicated to their students. They're dedicated to their profession. And while preparing for live and face-to-face -face instruction and the asynchronous instruction sounds time-consuming, can you provide some strategies or best practices that will enable teachers to adequately prepare for their instructional time? Absolutely. Uh, and that is uh, the, the big question here is, is how do I find the time to do all this? Because there is uh, a lot of work involved. Uh, as one of my colleagues put, put it yesterday, we're, we're plowing the hard ground here right now. Uh, so Mary Clay, thank you for that uh, that that image, and it's 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 exactly descriptive of of the challenges that we're facing, but that will yield dividends because we're not just trying to get through this time. We are preparing for for new ways of teaching and, and, and improving education and and doing it even better for our students. If if we take this this work and and really take it where where it needs to go. Um, there, there's such exciting opportunities, uh, but it is a lot of work. Uh, so with that in mind, I would say, first of all, know your comfort zone. Uh, start there. You know that you can't stay there. We can't just continue to do what we did and expect it to work uh, as, it, as it was. Uh, but, but start with where, where you're comfortable. And you don't have to throw out everything that you've done for the past how many ever years you've been in teaching. There's... there's immense value in that work. Uh, but then when you start to stretch your comfort zone to adequately face these, these challenges, seek support. You'll reach out to your DLCs, 
uh, digital learning coordinators throughout the, uh, the county. Uh, use your professional learning network, Twitter, Facebook, however you've developed connections uh, professionally. Your uh, more immediate uh, professional learning network, your PLT in the school, your, your team, um, your, your fellow staff members, county uh, resources and, and academics, contacts there. Uh, constantly reach out when you, when you find yourself uh, approaching new, new ground and, and new, new practices. Uh, collaborative planning. Uh, again, we're better together and uh, we, we need to, no one can do it alone. Uh, we need to work together on this, and so be strategic and intentional about getting together with your your most immediate team at the school and really dividing up work. Uh, there's no reason for you know three teachers that are teaching the same thing to all be independently doing all the planning. Uh, divide it up, and if you are the only one teaching your subject in a school, find colleagues across the district and other schools. Uh, or wherever you need to look, find someone who, find your tribe, find who's doing what you're doing, and, and work together. Um, leverage pre-made resources uh, as well. Not everything has to be originally created by you. Uh, there's, there's a lot of great material on Discovery Ed uh, uh, that the county uh, has, has, has provided, so we have a subscription to that, and uh, we're seeing a huge uptick in usage, so keep at it. Keep using those kinds of resources. Uh, Khan Academy is another great place, um, and just when you when you uh, find those resources, share them with your team too, so that everyone's getting the benefit of that uh, that that search time and that uh, that exploration. And then when you're when you're doing things like station activities, think outside the box. We do want to start with the standards and make sure that we're staying aligned, but there is so much more that we are teaching our students and. There's so much more that we are needing to do to prepare them for uh, for life in this age. And so, for instance, uh, when you're doing a lesson about plate tectonics and the formation of volcanoes, you might not find an activity that specifically addresses that material, but you want them to create some sort of infograph infographic that expresses their learning. Well, uh, we did a presentation the other day about Google's digital um, applied digital skills curriculum, and they've got a lot of ready-made lessons that would make great stations that are going to then equip students with the skills to express their learning through an infographic, for instance, or um, create a, a chart with some data. That's a valid use of your instructional time with your students to, to hand that to them and, and to, uh, deliver it to them through their Google Classroom and, and let them run with it as a way to prepare uh, as, part of, uh, as part of addressing that particular content point. So even though it doesn't directly align, it's not directly about your content point, still be, be ready to think outside the box and see those opportunities for lessening your workload a little bit by bringing in some, some activities that are ready-made but will still have immense value for your student. Uh, well, I just want to echo a lot of the, uh, the sentiments there that uh, content is so important and we all know that but right now the students may need uh 
their needs may be a little different, right? So make time for the social emotional learning and it's okay if you don't get to the content that day, right? We need to see the kids in front of us. We need to see the kids at home and uh, be, be who they need us to be in that moment. And so I can't emphasize enough that this year needs to be about grace and flexibility um, and also bring us back to the PLT. That alignment is so important and teachers should feel like they have the authority to make decisions that best meet their needs and the needs of their students. Uh, quality education should still be at the forefront, but how we get there should be determined by those on the front line, right? Our teachers are professionals and they're working so hard. They should feel empowered to make whatever decisions need to be made uh, to ensure that their students are getting a quality education and that, again, they're just their needs are being met this year. So eloquently and powerfully said. I just want to thank everyone who tuned in today or whatever day that you're you're listening to this and uh, just for all the hard work that you're doing to do what's best for our students. Uh, thank you and uh, keep it up and please reach out uh, if, if uh, Jennifer or I, Chris or, or any of us uh, here in, in the district can, can help you out. Uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Just want to thank all of the listeners and Chris and Walt. This was my first podcast and you all made it. You both made it so great for me. Great experience uh, to our listeners. Uh, please reach out if you have any questions, if you need help planning a lesson or, or actually taking, you know, the samples that we've shared today and putting this into place. That's why we're here. And we are more than willing and, and, and anxious, really, to help you uh, facilitate some of these suggest suggestions. Uh, so I, again, thank you. We appreciate you and know that you are making a huge difference more than ever. Yes, thank you teachers for your hard work and dedication to your profession and your students. Uh, don't forget you can find us at dlc.wcpss.net where we have our lunch and learn sessions posted there. We have our podcast episodes in our show notes, which uh, you can access. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. For show notes and resources, visit dlc.wcpss.net. You can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts.